Well, hey there, and welcome back to the show. Now, I remember this particular day as if it were yesterday, and it was, gosh, what, 13, 13 years ago? My two-and-a-half-year-old's OT handed me a 12-page evaluation of what I perceived to be everything that was wrong with my kid. It wasn't a formal diagnosis. I didn't even know such a thing existed at the time, but it was enough to send me teetering on the edge. I cried a lot, and I felt so incredibly alone. Now, during this episode, Jennifer Meyer and I talk about the emotional reality of getting your child's diagnosis and the mindset shifts necessary to find peace in all of it. We talk about limiting beliefs that get in the way. We talk about the grief that often arises when we realize our child isn't going to have the life that we imagined for them. We also talk about finding practices that work for you. Jennifer Meyer is a PACEP, a parent and or caregiver of an exceptional person. And through her journey with her family after her son's diagnosis, she has learned how to go from rock bottom to an empowered, authentic life. Now, as a coach and speaker, she supports other parents and caregivers on their journey too. But before we dig in, I wanted to be sure that you've downloaded the free ADHD support guide I created for you. Jennifer and I talk about some simple tools during the interview that you just might want to add to your support guide. If you haven't already, download the guide at visiondrivenmom.com forward slash ADHD supports or find the link in the show notes and enjoy this interview with Jennifer. And you're listening to the Vision Driven Mom with ADHD podcast with Tracy Nolan Bierman, where we believe that you can have ADHD without ADHD having you. Each week, you'll hear firsthand relatable stories, as well as invaluable tips, tools, and practices for managing overwhelm and using your beautiful, unique mind as a superpower. Motherhood with ADHD is the journey of a lifetime. Let's enjoy the ride together. Well, hey there, Jennifer. Welcome. And I'm super excited to have you here and have this conversation today. Thank you so much. I'm really, really excited to be here too. This is going to be a lot of fun. So I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. Now, can you tell us a little bit about your journey, how you got to be doing what you're doing today? Yeah. So um, when my son was, my son was born in in 2007 and everything seemed to be going really well. And then we hit that two, two and a half year mark and things started to feel a little bit different. Um, and so I, I take my child to the pediatrician and, and pushed, because sometimes you have to push, right. um, pushed for there to be some kind of evaluation done because something felt different. And right about two and a half, just shy of three, actually, he was diagnosed with autism. Mm-hmm. And um, that diagnosis... Uh, completely brought me to my knees. Mm -hmm. And then I spent two years declaring war on autism, trying to eradicate it from my son. So I felt like it was an enemy that I could beat. Mm. And then two years into that, when my marriage was falling apart, I couldn't figure out what it was that I was doing wrong and had a moment of profound grace (laughs) crying on my bathroom floor about my inability to deal with this problem and had a real powerful internal experience that just let me realize that I was thinking about this the wrong way. Mm. And um, my problem was the fact that I thought that autism was a problem. Oh, I love that. And so I I started a journey and it ended up being a 10-year journey of figuring out how to help my son instead of destroy the enemy of autism. And um, doing that was profound. And it it brings about a new way of engaging with every aspect of your life. And as I was getting towards the end of that journey, 2018, 2019, all I could think about was how much other parents struggle with this and how much better they would feel if they could go on a th- similar journey. But maybe maybe I can help them not take 10 years 
to come to the realization I hear you, that I had taken I hear you. on, right? right so right. the motivation behind that was how can I help another mom, another dad, another grandpa, another grandmother, another niece, another cousin, whoever have the understanding that I took 10, you know, 10 or 12 years to figure out. Right. And how can I help them get there as fast as possible? Because not only is it impacting your life, but it's impacting your kid's life and your family's life. And, it, and you know, we like to compartmentalize things, but we have one life. And so that bleeds into everything. It, it bleeds into your other relationships, your other priorities. It goes into work with you. How can I help people not get there? Because the relief I felt was so profound. Yeah, Everybody can and should have access to that, figuring right. it out. So... That's my yeah. journey. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that, Jennifer. Yeah. It really, so my son was also born 2007. It sounds like you said about two and a half, two and a half to three. I think my, my son was two when, um, when, and I also, I knew right from the start, mm -hmm. something is different yeah. about my kid. Right. Yeah. I just knew. I just and you kind of just you you just you have this this uh this uh um this intuitive yeah feeling, right? And I have something to comment on when you're finished with this. Yes, please do. Along with that. Hey, yeah. Please yeah. go, please go ahead. Yes. I, I was just gonna say it was interesting is that my, my son's development from birth to two was very normal. Mm. But after his delivery, I was I went to nurse him the first time and I had a little trouble getting him to latch on. Mm -hmm. And my immediate and first thought was he has autism. Wow. And I, but he was developing normally. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't pursue that thought, you know, you pushed it in a little box because I was afraid of what that meant. Right. So, you know, but yeah, it, it is, it, you do know, you do know. You do know, I know. And there is that, there is a, um, there is a, well, you know, we don't want to look at it for one thing. Mm -mm. It's not, and it's kind of, it kind of feels like, um, well, this isn't my life. Like, what? it's not going to happen to me. Are you kidding? This isn't real. This isn't real. This happens to other people, mm -hmm. not to me, right? Right. Not to my kid, not to right. my family. Right. You know, this just doesn't happen. Right. So, um, so we're going to talk today about finding peace in that diagnosis. Now, mm -hmm. my son was not diagnosed with autism. He was, um, he, and it wasn't really, you know, the, the OT can't, doesn't diagnose. Right. But she sure as heck did give me a 12 page report of everything that was wrong with my kid. Right. And that was really hard to hear. Yeah. And so I, I'd love to hear your, your, um, your, uh, what you have to say about that. And there was nobody around me that had any idea what I was going through. No, they had no idea. Oh, well, at least you have, at least you have a healthy kid, right? At least your baby's healthy. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm like you are completely discounting my life and how I feel and everything. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about that when you when you first get that diagnosis? And and I mean, this and if we don't I mean, this could this can cause PTSD. Right. And if we don't deal with it, what yeah. we know, right, is if we don't deal with it, it's a traumatic event. It is. It 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 it, it creates what's called perpetual grief. Mm, um, for some grief. people on, yeah. um, because it is, it's a grief, you, 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 you're pregnant, yep. you know, you, you carry a body in your body for nine months, assuming you run to term and everything's normal. And as a mother, and I'm sure the same is for dads too, but as a mother, you can't, you can't help yourself, but think about what your child's going to be like when you, they exit your body. You right. have expectations of what it means to have a child. Yeah. I was having a son and I knew that. So I was thinking about tuxedos at prom mm, and, right. you know, driving fast cars and smashing bugs and breaking, you know, wrists because he's fallen off of a skateboard and, right. you know, sports teams and, or was he going to be an artist and really love theater the way his father? I mean, you have all of these ideas about your kid 
and all of the fun you're going to have at meeting them through all of those like normal life experiences, mm. getting a driver's license, you know, going to kindergarten the first time, like all of the little things, right? right? Right. So when my son, I remember the last words my son spoke to me before I didn't hear him talk to me again for almost six years. Wow. And he had, he was just two, he was just past two. And he had come into my bedroom in the middle of the night and said, sick juice, please. Mm. I got him up. I got some juice. I put him back into bed. I laid with him for a little while. He fell back asleep. I went back to bed. I did not hear my son make a direct request or communicate to me about a need after that for almost six years. Wow, Jennifer. Like, that is grief. Yeah. I mean, there was echolalia, there was scripting, mm -hmm. there was that, but there was no, I love yous. There were no, I need a Band-Aid. I have a story about that. None of those things happened. And so when we went to get an evaluation, and I don't know how long yours was, but ours was a full six hours. Mm -hmm. And they put your son in a little room, your kid in a little room, and then you're in another room and you're watching these other people in the other room interact with your kid while you're filling out an enormous pile of paperwork about stuff that you never thought you were going to have to remember. Right. I don't know. I don't know when my son first smiled. I don't know. Right. Right. Thinking that something, it's like waiting for, it's like probably, I'm sure it's very similar to waiting for a diagnosis for cancer. Like what mm -hmm. is going to happen here? What is going to happen here? And then when you get it, my response was just, was just a cry. Yeah. And then I was in denial for two months mm -hmm. because I just couldn't accept it as real. And my son is not brain man from the movie because that was the only experience that I had had with autism up until that point. I knew Dustin Hoffman from that movie with Tom Cruise. That's what right. I knew about autism. That was not my kid, yeah. right? Not even close. So any anything that had to do with the word immediately e either elicited rage out of me or tremendous mm -hmm. sense of grief. Yeah. Um, and eventually I realized that I had dipped into a really deep depression and it was affecting my daughter, who's my oldest child, mm -hmm. and my marriage in really profound ways. So my response to that was to attack the problem because that's who I am do the thing, right? And right. so I went to war with my son's autism and that was my response to the grief. And it makes sense because when a person is grieving, they spend a certain amount of time in anger and I was enraged. Mm -hmm. The problem is, is that with something like on the autism, there's no one to be angry at. Like right. I can't, there's no one to blame. I can't point the finger at anybody. What I've come to realize is that what most parents do is they, they have, likely about six beliefs buried somewhere in their brain mm -hmm. that are leading to all of these feelings. And one of those beliefs is somewhere inside of them, they think it's their fault. Mm. And be because there's no one else to blame, the only thing you know to do is to just accept responsibility for this little bitty body that you were given. Mm -hmm. That's totally dependent on you. And even though you know logically it doesn't make any sense, somewhere inside of you, you're telling yourself that this is your fault. I did this. Right. And with autism, and I'm sure it's very similar with any other diagnosis that you get, science is really quick to say, well, mom did X, Y, Z thing oh, right. while yeah. she was pregnant or while she was, you know, nursing or she didn't nurse and she should have. And she, sh I mean, anything that comes at you like that, when you're in that state of grief and you're mm -hmm. that vulnerable, it lashes on and it's really hard to get rid of. And the very first thing that I tell parents to help them get out of that is this is not your fault. Right. And the second one after that is the feeling that you're alone. Like mm, you were saying, right. nobody mm -hmm. understands, nobody knows what I'm talking about. But you know what? There are like a billion people on the planet who probably have had at least a similar experience to what you're going through, right? Right. right. You just have to find them. They might not be your next door neighbor, right? They might not be living in close geographic proximity to you, but they exist. And thank God for technology so that we can connect with those people. Now, right, Jennifer? Because right. we did not have 
no. this in 2007. Could, no, I mean, could you imagine? I, that would have been even more isolating. And God, God loved the schools yeah. sometimes, <laughs> but they don't create community for parents like us. They just do not. And right. they're terrible at it. So that feeling of isolation just takes that grief and, and compounds it. And it mm. makes it this big, huge ball, massive stuff. And, you know, it, to your point with what you were saying, like, people coming to you and saying the at least comments, at least he's healthy or at least this. And it's, you know, Brene Brown talks about empathy and that's not empathy. (laughs) You know, empathy is, wow, I can't even imagine how you're dealing with that. Mm -hmm. What is it, the effect that it's having on you? How does that show up in your life day to day? And even the people who are the closest to you can still not get it. I mean, I remember talking to my sister once when Jack, my son was about I don't know, four or five. We hadn't gotten into kindergarten yet. He started kindergarten a year late. Um, but he was, you know, he's about four or five. And I'm, I'm thinking about IEPs and life after m- moving out of my house and all of the things. And my sister's right. like, Jenny, you know, you really, you don't have to do this to yourself. Like you're, you're thinking 20 years ahead. And I'm like, Christy, my son can't tell me when he's hurting. Right what the hell are you talking about? Like, and I told her, I said, listen, I know you love me and I know you're trying to be helpful, but seriously, if the words coming out of your mouth aren't, um, how can I help? Or you're amazing. Mm-hmm. I need you to not speak to me right now. That's exactly you it. Right? You can't appreciate my life. Yeah. You don't live it. You don't know what it's like to not have the simple assurances that your child can tell you how they feel when they're sick, right? you know, and my son is 15 now. And even with COVID, we, you know, we, there, he can't tell me when he's ill, he can't tell me what's wrong with his body. He doesn't have the verbal ability to tell me what's wrong. What do you do with that through a pan? I mean, perpetual grief, as I was saying, right? Perpetual. Perpetual. Yeah. It just never ends. There's always some new trigger. (laughs) <laughs> right. There is, right? How about a pandemic? Let's just throw a pandemic into yeah, the parenting. Like the parent <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. That that was an interesting one. I'm like, I really think that this has to be one of the most difficult times to be a parent. Oh ever, yeah. Right. Absolutely. And then you throw on throw on neurodiversity and you know it's 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 an it's an interest and it continues to be an interesting time like it's not mm-hmm. done it is no not. it's the not. effects i mean we're definitely going to be a um a uh you know we're going to be a study in sociology absolutely oh yeah i mean you were you talking know? about ptsd i think we're still processing the trauma from 2020 and and oh, yeah. you do you will do that for years just you know very similar to getting a diagnosis like you do it just you know people hand you this piece of paper and they think that you're good they haven't taken any time to step back and think about the implications of what that piece of paper means right. to the people that it affects on a day-to-day basis. And it is, it's tremendous grief, Yeah, you know? Yeah, exactly. So, so tell us about, um, how do we find the peace in the diagnosis? What do we, what, what do we, and, and I know you, you talk a lot about mindset and I absolutely mm-hmm. like mindset. We, we can't, we can't change anything unless we're able to change our mindset about it. So tell us a little bit about, you know, how do we find that peace? Because what, yeah. what you're talking about, this perpetual grief, okay, where's the peace in that? I think one of the first things to wrap your head around and try to find um, closure or acceptance with, which are words that I don't like. Yeah. And, and this is why, because life is an ongoing journey. Um, I am a person who naturally just wants to get to the finish line. Mm -hmm. Me too. Right. (laughs) I have arrived, but there is no arrival for anything anyway. So the, the first thing to really come to terms with is the constant reminder that you're going to have to remind yourself because there's no arrival. Mm. Like even the most, if we were, (laughs) you know, we share a love for Tony Robbins, even Tony Robbins, wakes up and has bad days. And right. then he has to remind himself of the practices that he's put in place mm, right? in order mm-hmm. to keep himself in the right frame of mind. Right. And that that's the first thing 
to, to tackle. You have to recognize that as truth or you're not going to have success right. because if you don't believe that that's the way that it is, you're going to be constantly disappointed at the fact that you stumble Yeah, yeah. because there's just no arrival. The next big thing to do is to really become very mindful of yourself. Mm, right. What, what you're thinking and how you're feeling as you go through your day. Because your day, if you're paying attention to you, will tell you where you need to make changes. Yep. That's just the truth. But you have to be paying attention. And paying attention is really about meaning mindful. And I remember the first time I was learning about mindful, and this was even before my son was born. But when I was learning about mindfulness, everybody has this idea that it, you know, immediately you get this connection with meditation and emptiness. Wouldn't that be and, awesome? Especially right. for ADHD. Oh my God, right. that would be so amazing. It would be. And we'd but all be doing it, right? But it's not real. I mean, <laughs> right. even for an individual who doesn't have ADHD, the monkey mind is constantly going. Like you right. are always talking to yourself, always talking to yourself. Most of us aren't listening yeah. to what we're saying. And so the first step is actually just learning focus. Mm -hmm. It's not about being empty. It's about deliberate and conscious focus. And when we can train ourselves in that, like you would go to a gym and lift weights, when you can train yourself to do that, you suddenly start becoming really, really clear on what it is that you're struggling with. Right. And right. that's when you'll hear yourself say stuff like nobody understands. I, I, I'm not alone. I'm right. not alone. Right. I need to find those people who mm -hmm. does understand because the fact that I'm I'm alone is not true. Right. 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 And so it's a combination of that mindfulness along with some things that really I mean it's it's really logic based. It's you know it's used a lot in cognitive behavioral therapy techniques. It's it's something that like debate teams use where they call it the Socratic method, but it's really just a a slowing down mm -hmm. and paying attention enough of what's going on inside of your brain right. to actually be able to identify, what do I really think about this? Mm -hmm. And what I discovered for myself is that I really thought that autism was my fault. Mm, and right. I really thought that my kid was broken. I mm -hmm. really thought Jack was broken. And because he was broken, he wasn't going to have a good life. Mm, what right. parent in the world can feel good about anything when you have convinced yourself that your child is not going to have a good life? Right, right. So the next step in that piece and finding those peace is once you identify those things that are not true and hurtful, you go about looking for the evidence for why they're not true and you start learning to believe the truth. Mm, my son's that. life is not going to be ruined. As a matter of fact, if I watch my son, he's in more joy every day than I ever am. Right. I mean, he's just, he loves his life. He loves his life. If I'm sad that he's not going to get a driver's license, that's my pain and my expectation. He doesn't right. care. He's happy right. to get in the car with anybody and go any place. He is having a good time. My expectation of what good means is what's keeping me from feeling okay with what his life looks like. Jennifer, and that, I think that's point, a beautiful, that's yeah, that's a beautiful distinction right there. Yeah. Because I think we often in all areas of parenting, right? Oh, yeah. We have ideas about what a childhood should be like, mm -hmm. about what what experiences they should have, right? how they should feel, but mm -hmm. that's on us, right? Exactly. And I, it, it's every time, you know, in um, North Carolina, in Wake County, we're in, um, we're in the magnet. Um, uh -huh. We have the magnet system for schools, right? Right, right. And there is this there, there, and I, I come from a teaching background. Mm -hmm. So I always, and, um, so as a preschool teacher, but it was kind of Montessori-ish. And so I right. had this idea in my head about how, what was going to be the best thing for my kids, right? Mm -hmm. Based on me, not based on my kids. Right. Right. So every time it comes around, you know, for kindergarten and then sixth grade and then ninth grade, where you had to, you had to apply to the magnet system to get into mm -hmm. the school that you thought was going to be the best fit. Who's right. it for? Me? 
Right. Or for my kids, right? Right. It's, right. So it's that's a really important distinction when it you is. say it, who whose whose life is it anyway? And I find myself having to pull back so much mm-hmm. all the time. Oh yeah. Like, who is this about? This is oh, yeah. not about my kid. My kid is perfectly happy just the way they are. You yep. know, and I, I'm I'm sure that this has come up for you as well. But I remember um, so we have this amazing um, organization in Wake County. It's Project Enlightenment, and it's a mm-hmm. um, it's a it's an organization that is um, that is to help teachers, parents, and young children. Right, right. Of, teachers and parents of young children and young children. Mm-hmm. It's an amazing underused resource that it we is. have. I used every single, I used it as a teacher mm-hmm. and then I've used every single resource that they had. But I remember talking to one of their therapists one time and saying, um, you know, I'm just really concerned. And this was back when he was probably about two, two and a half. And I, I, I maybe yeah probably about two and a half maybe three and saying to her you know i i'm really concerned that he's not going to have any friends yeah right i'm really i'm really like that would be that would be the most horrible thing for him not to have friends right Mm -hmm. and she's like okay hold it (laughs) first of all that your child is an individual maybe Mm -hmm. they don't want friends first of all right and they will find the people they will mm-hmm. find no matter what is going on right and and she shared a story about her son who and 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 she's like it may take a while but they'll find their people just like you will find your people right now right. you don't have your people so anyway i i'm sorry to interrupt you but i no, love that i love that that's exactly what it's about it's right. it's huge i mean and this is this goes beyond the label right like right. i have to I have to remind myself of that with my neurotypical almost 18 year old daughter like and part part of the reason that i think that blending happens is because when they come into the world they are completely dependent on you for survival and so the only natural thing to have happen as a parent is for you to help them experience the life that you know how to experience like this is what i know to give you right? right right what i think where we get in trouble is that we've we feel like they're my kids. Mm-hmm. These are my kids, right? You know, yeah, yeah. And your kid you. is, <laughs> and your kid is also them, right. and they have the ability to make choices. About, I mean, you're making a comment about he won't have friends. That's terrifying for me as well. Like I was mm-hmm. very terrified from it. But not only do they not want friends, but how do they even define what friendship looks like? Right. Right. You know, we I have mean? our own definition of what it right. means to be a friend, right? Exactly. Like yeah. my, what I need to feel fulfilled relationally is probably not the same thing as what my son needs to feel the same fulfillment right. relationally. And right. that's okay. That's what makes us all different. It's really profound how these things start impacting other areas of your life because mm-hmm. you're forced to have to deal with it and manage it and, and come to terms with it with your child. It's really profound. Right. Yeah. Okay. So we have reminded ourselves that there's no arrival. Right. Okay. Which is such a beautiful, I mean, it's, and I hate this cliche, the the saying, you know, it's all about the journey and like, screw the journey. Right. (laughs) But it is about the journey. It is. I have people say all the time, well, what if I don't experience this thing that you're telling me to envision for myself? And I'm like, but wouldn't you rather feel good along the way? Right. Right? Like, it's not about the destination. Mm -mm. It's about who you become. And it's about daily, you know, it's it's not yeah. about it's not about it's not about it. There is no arrival. No, you don't, you don't get my, you don't get there. Right. I had a mentor once who's t- who liked to use the analogy of a pick your own adventure game. She's uh-huh. like, Jenny, life's just a pick your own adventure game. You know, you draw a card, you make a choice. And if you don't like it, you pick another damn card. Like, it's really not that big a deal. Right, <laughs> right. It's a beautiful way of thinking about it. It is. And I think we take ourselves very seriously. Well, it's got to be. Okay, there's going to like you. I'm sure that you were thinking, okay, there's got to be an end to this autism diagnosis. Like, I'm not going to accept this. Right. This, there's got to be an end to this. Where's right. the end? Right. Right. And that's a we're, we're backing ourselves into a corner. If we're yeah, doing there's that. nothing to do with that. There's nothing positive right. that you can do with that thought. Nothing. Right. right. So, 
Yeah. Okay. So we're, we're, um, we're reminding ourselves that there is, there is no arrival. We're becoming mindful because we know that we cannot make any changes whatsoever unless we're noticing, right? Right. We, you have we to may, we may, we may know that, you know, God, I feel horrible and I really don't like this. Right. But that's not really noticing. <laughs> no, it's not helpful. I can't, you can't create a plan if you don't have an idea of where you're starting. Right, so. right, exactly. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then we're under, under identifying the untruths. Right. Is what I heard. Okay. Identifying. Right. So that is, that, that is just, it's simply not true. Right. Okay. And then, and I, and I yeah. will, I'm going to add to that, that often, like so often, I'm almost tempted to say always. Mm -hmm. but, but nothing's always, always never. <laughs> right. But um, you usually need help for that. Yeah. Like it's usually too close to you and too emotional and too painful. Right. To get objective about those things initially. Now that can, you can get help from anywhere. You can go to a coach, you can go to a therapist, you can ask your mom if she's yeah. really good at that kind of stuff, you know, but find somebody that can help you find that objectivity because mm -hmm. when you're living it, it feels really, really true. It does. Yeah. And it can be hard to believe that it's not. Right. Right. But it isn't. It objectively, logically, it's not. Right. It might be what your preference is, and that's fine. But that doesn't mean that's what's real. So you often need help to and, find those untruths. And I'm an amen on that yeah. having help. Yeah. You're right. going to need support in whatever form that and not from the people who are telling you that you should be happy because you have a healthy kid. Yeah. No, you need someone who can hold space. Yeah. Allow you to feel how you're going to feel, but will also be gentle in calling you out on your bullshit. Right. Because right. that's what it is. Yeah, it is. Mm -hmm. the, the untruths really are bullshit. They yeah. Are. Okay. So <laughs> and then we talked about um, finding evidence of the opposite of the untruths or the truths. Tell, right. Tell us a little bit, go, go a little deeper into that. How do we do that? What does yeah, that so look like? You're, the human brain is amazing. Mm. And there is a system in the human brain called the reticular, reticulate activating system, mm -hmm. RAC or RAS. And uh, what this what this function is in your brain is it filters out irrelevant information from your environment. Mm -hmm. and only lets in the information that you think is relevant. So if you're telling yourself, I am alone, and you really believe you are alone, your brain will show you absolutely everything that proves to you that you are alone. Right. And right. then you will reinforce that belief and continue to feel that way. Mm -hmm. What you need to do is you need to hijack that system and get it to start working for you. Right. And so initially that needs to be done really, really deliberately. You need mm -hmm. to be cogn cogn consciously aware that you're looking for it. Right. So if I know that I'm not alone, how can I prove to myself that that's true? Now you can do this in 40 million ways. You can Google number of people in Wake County with an IEP right? I mean, however it is that you need to let yourself know that this is an untruth, mm -hmm. go do that. And once you start teaching your brain that what's relevant to you is that you're not alone, mm -hmm. or right. more accurately, I have community, I have tribe, I have people, mm -hmm. your brain will do everything it knows how to do in order to show you that that's true. Right. Because your brain's like a supercomputer on steroids. Mm -hmm. So it will work really hard to prove to you that you're true, that what you're saying to yourself is true. So, but initially, you have to do that really deliberately. You have to be consciously thinking about it and looking for it mm -hmm. um, because it's different from how you were thinking before. Right, right. And it's so kind now of you're creating new patterns. Right. And yeah. so now you're telling your brain, no, 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 this is no longer important to me. Mm -hmm. I don't want to... I don't want to see this stuff. This is right. not, this is not what's relevant, but this piece, this piece over here has actually become really, really relevant now. So if you could use all of your superhuman computing skills, possible brain to find me this, right. I would really appreciate that. Thank you. Right. And your brain will go to work and it will do the thing, but you have to be really deliberate about that initially. You know, as you're talking yeah. about this, this isn't, it's not necessarily related to a diagnosis, but it is related to, I am not alone. Mm -hmm. So when I had 
my kids are 17 months apart. Okay. Um, when I was pregnant with my youngest, I had had a C-section before the, mm -hmm. with my first emergency C-section. Mm. It was horrible. Yeah. I, can't I had imagine. other people around me that it C-section was beautiful. They'd had, you know, two or three, but for me, uh, -uh no way. I had my, at six months later, I was still oozing. The scar was still oozing. Like oh. I, it was not. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to have a, I'm going to have a toddler and an infant and a newborn. No way. Mm. I can't. Right. I, I do not want this. Um, I do not want another C-section. Right. Right. Everybody. And I was an older mom and I had all of the risk factors and I was like, no, mm -hmm. no. And everybody, the doctors, everybody's telling me you are selfish if you, if you do this be back, right. Vaginal birth after C-section. And I was right. like, nope. I know that my body can do this. I know that it can. Right. right. This is what, this is what my body is made for. I know mm -hmm. that I can, that was just a, it was a, I mean, they told me I was like, you know, 50, 50, it could have had it happen to anybody. And I just got, I created a, a vision board for myself right. a, with everything that I wanted, not yeah. what I didn't want. It was what I wanted. Positive, positive, positive. The, yeah. What I wanted and hired my doula back, um, kind of decided Along the way, I discovered this um, organization. It's called ICANN. It's the International mm -hmm. Caesarean Awareness Network. Okay. Yeah. Full of women who had had VBACs. Right. Like, bing, bing, bing. Now, if I had stayed, and th this is where we come back. This is this is the ADHD. Okay. But if I had kept on thinking, I'm alone. Nobody knows, you know, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to do this thing that I hate. Blah, if I had stayed in that thinking, mm -hmm. I would not have opened my mind. I can't even remember how I, we didn't have Facebook back then. You know, I, right. I like, I don't know how you found them. I can't remember how I found it, but I did, but I had to change that mindset. I had yeah. to change. I had to open up that there was possibility. Yeah. And I think that's what you're talking about. It's right? exactly what I'm talking about. Like you can't, you can't see an opportunity that you don't notice right. that you're not right. paying attention to. Actually, I just shared something on my, on my personal profile on Facebook. That was exactly that. Like if you're always thinking about yellow cars, you're going to see a lot of yellow cars. Right. If you're always right. thinking this, you're going to see a lot of that. If you're always thinking that you're alone, you're going to see a lot of alone. That's right. just the way the brain works. And you can't see different from that unless you think that it's possible. Your brain won't let you see it. Right. It's called right. the confirmation bias is the other process or the system that we use for that mm. neurologically. Like you, your brain doesn't want you to be wrong. Right. So even when it's presented with evidence that like is opposite of what you believe, mm -hmm. it will dismiss it. Right. Because it will say, no, no, that's not real. Right. You have to be you have to be willing to feel wrong initially mm -hmm. in order to see how your new belief is right. 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 Well, and then That's that hard. gives you an opportunity also to kind of take that observer, mm -hmm. the, the look at, you know, oh, wow, look right. at that. You know, right. it's a beautiful thing to realize it's incredibly empowering. It is. And that's the real, that's the real thing here. Like we're trying to control all of this stuff outside of us. Mm -hmm. But if we would just take a deep breath and start learning how to control what's going on up in here, mm -hmm. all of this stuff out here would just shift a little bit all on its own and we wouldn't have to do anything with right, this, right? right? It might not shift in ways that you expect, but it will shift. Um, and when I, when I got through that myself, my whole experience shift with my son and we had opportunities yeah. that we didn't know even existed before right. because I didn't know to even look for them. Yeah. And then the world opened up, you know, yeah. it's, it's very powerful. That's a beautiful, beautiful. I, I love that because we can't, you can't, mm -hmm. all you can see is what is wrong when that's when we're, what we're focusing on. Right. And that's a hard thing to change for one thing, because societally mm -hmm. we are taught to look, be circumstance driven, right? Yeah. Like we this are. is my life. This is what I can see. Mm -hmm. This is just the way it is. Right. But when we are able to do that shift and see those truths, the, oh, yeah, that's why that mindfulness piece and getting really 
really aware and paying really close attention what's happening in in your brain, mm -hmm. like how your body is feeling and what's going on in your head. That becomes really, really important because yeah. that that's going to dictate what circumstances you're even aware of happening right. outside of you. Right. It's crazy. Right. Exactly. Yeah. In, in the in the original state, there was no way that I was going to be able to see that there was a community of women who had done exactly what I wanted to do. Exactly. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So is there any what do you do after the after you, you're able to turn the, the truths around? Is there a next step? So what I mean, once you get solid, once you get solid in that, it's really just rinse and repeat. Right. Because mm -hmm. we right. know we're not going to arrive. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you, you, you find practices that work for you. This is when working with a coach or a therapist is really helpful yeah. because they can, they can help you put in some very practical day-to-day -day things to just do right. that become part of your routine, mm -hmm. right? And that those are the pieces that keep you from falling backwards. Because look, when you stub your toe, it hurts. Yeah right? You can't stop that from happening. Life is going to hit you in ways that you can't imagine and nobody can predict or control that, but you can control your response and your response is better when you've done this work and you have some practices in place in order right. to keep it up. So it, the next step is rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. Like you just keep doing the things. It's not like, okay, I've changed my mind. I'm no longer declaring war now I'm on good. autism I'm anymore. Good. I'm, I'm good, good now. Got I'm it. good now. It's no problem. <laughs> right. If I had done that when my son was like 10, mm -hmm. I'd have really been struggling this year because this year he's 16. Right. He has a cousin who's turning 16 who got his driver's license learning permit just a few months ago. And my son loves automobiles. He loves vehicles. He loves cars. He likes racing video games, like all these things. And he is right. never, ever going to drive. Yeah. yeah. And so if I wasn't doing that rinse and repeat, I, that would have hit me this year, like a bowling pit, like a bowling ball. Right. right. And I would have just collapsed into a puddle of goo again, because that grief doesn't I'm not now I'm no longer managing my grief, right? right. I'm no longer managing my process. Mm -hmm. I just let it show up and control me. So it's it's rinse and repeat. Rinse yeah. and repeat, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. Well, and I love that you say that. I t I talk all the time about those practices, right? Mm -hmm. Rhythms. Like they don't have to be ri rigid. No. But but practices so that when you need them, like now for you, right? right. This year, when you need them, they're easier to bring in because if right. you have not been practicing mindfulness or meditation and you try to pull it in, it's going to be really hard. Yeah. You know, if you're not in the practice of, of gratitude, right. a gratitude practice, it is not easy to pull it in. It feels inauthentic and it feels like it doesn't work. But inauthentic. To, great word. Yes. Yeah. I mean, and yes. we can't, we can't, in, in the best time to start creating your practices is when you're not in crisis, yes. right? But you do yes. have to start somewhere, right? Well, you need you need the wake up call, right? Crisis yeah. is the wake up call. Crisis yeah. is the crisis is. And these are my words. Use whatever words work for you. But crisis is when the universe has hit you upside the head with a two by four. Mm -hmm. Okay, you're not I paying enough that. attention. Yes, the cosmic two by four. I guess. Right. You are not paying enough attention to this, and this matters to your life. So here comes the the anvil from the sky, like the coyote from Looney Tunes, right? right. It's going to hit you upside the head. That's yeah. what crisis is there for, to bring your attention to a problem. Yeah. Once you know the problem's there, you have to calm yourself down enough to allow your body to start helping you actually get this done. I say body, but I mean brain. Like right. you can't work in crisis. You can't. So you need to bring yourself down and put these things into place right. so that you can keep them going for the next anvil because it's coming it's you coming. can't it stop always it. it's, it's it life, always is coming right? it, is it is just life and i love that you use the word practice because a lot of times people there are some things that are universal gratitude is universal um mindfulness is universal um th those things are always good how you get them is what's different and that's the practice right how mm -hmm. i my gratitude how i find gratitude might be different from how you find gratitude mm -hmm. which is different from how my daughter finds gratitude and all of those ways are perfectly valid it's right. about finding what works for you 
to generate the feeling or the experience. It doesn't matter. I mean, I know people who go to the gym and that's how they find mindfulness because they're at the gym. That's their meditation, right? Right, right. Cool. Do what works, but you have to do something. Yeah. And I, and I could not agree with you more on the what mm. works for you. Right. I can't even tell you. Yeah. You know, we, so as um, moms with ADHD, the majority of the, of the people who listen to this podcast are moms with ADHD. Sure. Our brains are wired differently. Absolutely. Right? The things that work for other people don't work for us, mm -hmm. right? So we have to find, and it takes practice, but finding somebody like you, right? right who has been there, who can shorten the learning curve, who can right. say, okay, well, maybe you could try it this way or that. Have you thought about this? Or maybe that's not even the thing. Maybe, maybe this is going to work better for you, but you right. have to, you have to be willing and open to trying different things. Yes. To see what resonates and what works. Yeah. And in a lot of ways, it's kind of like throwing a, a dart at a dartboard blindfold. You don't right. necessarily know what's right. going to work until you try it. And so you do, you have to be willing to like, well, I don't know, maybe. And so then you try the thing and you have to give it an honest try. You know, you have right. to be open and honest with it. Give it the amount of time that, you know, nobody does a gratitude practice in two days and see results. That's right. not how this works, right? Right. But you do, you try new stuff. And if it doesn't work, you shift. And if it doesn't work, you shift. And I guarantee you there's something out there that works. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter what it is. Just find it. Well, you know, Jennifer, you talked about the accountability piece and the, the um, you know, I don't think you said accountability, but this is what I heard, right? Having a therapist or a coach or a mother or a somebody right. right to guide you i was just having this right. conversation with my business coach right mm -hmm. this, just this morning right um talking about especially when you have adhd or you're you're differently wired mm -hmm. not especially but this is this is me talking as a, a woman mom right. with adhd right right what i know to be true for myself is that if you tell me what to do, I was saying this to my, my coach this morning, you tell me what to do and I'm going to do it. Right. And you know why? Because I'm going to be, I'm going to be accountable to you. You're going to ask me next week. Right. Have I done? Have you done? Ba ba ba. And did you do the thing? Did you yep. do the thing? <laughs> and for the most part, I will do the thing because you're telling me to. Right. right. And I don't know. There was just, I will, since the first, I, I hired my first coach in, 2014, I think it was 2014. Mm -hmm. I will never be without a coach of some sort. Right? Yeah, every, you have to have someone. Someone, yeah. someone to tell me what to do. <laughs> right? yeah. Somebody who has been there before. Yeah, and tell I mean, me what to do and hold coach, space for me while I'm doing it. You coach, know? mentor, you know, who, whoever, an elder. And that right. doesn't necessarily an age as much as it's an experience. Exactly. But someone who, has knowledge and experience of what it is that you are walking the path right. that you're on you know you don't go into the wilderness without a guide yeah right exactly. and my son's autism diagnosis was a huge freaking wilderness like i had no idea what the hell i was doing right. so there was you know you need a guide you need yeah. somebody to like point out hey look you see this tree over here this is a bad tree stay away from this tree this right. is not a good tree you know right. you need that every and even when you have good practice, like I have a solid meditation practice. I have a solid gratitude practice. Mm -hmm. I'm doing really well. Right. I still need a guide. I do because too, inevitably man. That doesn't because I will either. Fall. Even <laughs> when I'm doesn't doing either, well, I either. Fall, right? That will always be there. Yeah. Always, yeah. you know, exactly. very well, powerful. This has been fantastic. I oh, love, thank you. I love, um, I love the steps. They're very easy and I mean, not easy, okay simple yet yeah, not easy right yes simple if there was one thing that you could share with our listeners one thing that they could do today to start on this journey what would that be the the very first thing that i would tell people is wherever you're at and however you're feeling is totally okay mm. like you you have to begin with the the knowledge and the belief that what you're feeling and experiencing is totally 
totally okay. Mm, that's I don't care what it permission. is. You have to allow yourself the ability to be human. Right. And being human is messy. And you're going to find that you will have better and faster progress when you can give yourself grace mm -hmm. to not always do it right because right. there's no real mistake. Yeah. You know, it, you're learning. And sometimes learning leads to an outcome we don't like, but it doesn't lead to mistakes. You either learn or you win. But right. that would be the first takeaway mm. I would tell people like, be you a, learn you're or you okay. win. That's beautiful. Yeah, it's not mine. <laughs> I should probably uh, say that right now. It's not mine. <laughs> I love that though. And I love that permission because there is a tendency, especially, you know, for people who follow you, for people who follow me to think, oh my gosh, I'm doing it all wrong. Yeah, right? no, and there that is, is no wrong. not, there's not wrong. There's, there's no only wrong. noticing, right? Yeah. There's okay. where you're at and where you want to be. Right, right. That's it. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. Well, Jennifer, how can our listeners find you? Yes, so I am on Facebook and Instagram as Consider Jennifer. Um, you can find me online at considerjennifer.com. I'm so if you if you go to any one of those platforms and you look for Consider Jennifer, you're going to find me. That's where I'm at. Um, I'm really excited to be doing this work and helping people. It's it's been really tremendously rewarding, satisfying experience right. to be giving in this way and letting people know that they're okay. You're okay. Yeah. It's okay. Okay. It's all it's gonna okay. Be okay. It's gonna this be okay. what we need. It's yes. okay. It's okay. gonna be okay. You're gonna be okay. So yes. and and how do you work with people? That's that's yes. yeah. So my um I offer two different coaching packages that people can um sub sign up for. Mm -hmm. I'm also just starting a new support group here mm -hmm. in, I mean, if you're a local listener, I know some of your listeners might, might not be local, but mm -hmm. for local listeners, I've got a support group that's meeting here in Holly Springs. You can find out more about that on my Facebook page. Um, I do in-person virtual meetings one-on-one -on -one with individuals, and that's mm -hmm. how I work with people right now. I'm also a speaker, so if there's um, an engagement or event that you have coming up, and um, you're looking for somebody to talk on some of these topics, you can find some more information about that on my website or you know, reach out, DM me or send an email. I'm happy to answer any questions. So. Okay, great. Well, Jennifer, yeah. thank you so much for taking the time, thank for you. sharing your wisdom and your journey <laughs> and, and all of it. And definitely go check Jennifer out, say hello, tell her that you heard her, uh, heard her on the uh, Vision Driven Mom with ADHD podcast. Yes. Thank you so much. This has been a great time. So it's been fun. Thanks, Jennifer. Yep. Bye for now. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to the Vision Driven Mom with ADHD podcast. Now, one thing I know for sure is that managing ADHD is not a one stop shop. There are so many tips, tools, practices, treatment options, and lifestyle accommodations to consider. It's easy to feel overwhelmed and wonder where in the world to start. If you're nodding your head yes, then you'll want to check out the free ADHD Supports Guide. It's a super simple step-by-step -step guide that keeps your ADHD brain engaged because it's interesting, it's important, and sometimes even a little exciting. I invite you to consider yourself a detective as you discover the ideal combination of supports to help you remain calm, be more consistent, stay focused on what's important, shift out of overwhelm and other big emotions more quickly, make decisions more easily, and develop more confidence, all while becoming more of the person you know yourself to be. Download the guide at visiondrivenmom.com forward slash ADHD supports, or find the link in the show notes. I truly believe that you can have ADHD without ADHD having you. Goodbye for now.